This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. In the late 1940s, Gunsmoke was set in Dodge City, Kansas during the thriving cattle days of the 1870s. The show drew critical acclaim for unprecedented realism. Matt Dillon was played on radio by William Conrad and on TV by James Arness. Conrad was one of the last actors to audition for the role of Marshall Dillon. With a resonantly powerful and distinctive voice, Conrad was already one of radio's busiest actors. And though one of the producers wanted to hire him, another producer thought he might be overexposed. Well, during his audition, Conrad won over the objections after reading only a few lines. Dylan, as portrayed by Conrad, was a lonely, isolated man, toughened by a hard life. It was later claimed that much of Matt Dillon's character grew out of Bill Conrad. The producers relished the upending of cherished Western fiction clichés and felt that few Westerns gave any inkling of how brutal the Old West was in reality. Many episodes were based on man's cruelty to man and women, much as the prairie woman's life and the painful treatment of women as chattels were touched on well ahead of their time in most media. As originally pitched to CBS executives, this was to be an adult western, not a grown-up hop-along Cassidy. Chester was played by Parley Bear on radio, and his character had no surname until Bear ad-libbed Proudfoot during an early rehearsal. Initial Gunsmoke scripts gave him no name at all, and his lines were simply spoken by, quote, Townsman. Again, Conrad's sense of what the program would be supervened, and Chester was born. And now the episode entitled Shakespeare. Around Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with the U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gunsmoke, starring William Conrad. The story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. It was the dust, 
The heat was bad enough in Dodge City, but out on the plain, it was the dust. The sun was a burning red-brown chip in the sky. And the sweat on a man never had a chance to drop. It was blotted and dried with dust. Doc Chester and I had ridden to old man Gore's place ten miles out. He'd had some trouble with one of the hands. Fellow had gone loco with liquor and had been shooting up the cattle. We found him, stripped naked nearby on his haunches, crying, drunk over a parched water hole. Doc had got him to bed and fixed him up some. And now we were heading back for Dodge. Darn horse. Seems he's just bound to stomp all the dust and candles in my eyes. <coughs> Maybe the marshal buy a camel, Chester. This keeps up. We'll all buy camels. I remember the time back in Waco when I was just Doc, a small... Chester, boy. you see something ahead on the side of the trail there? Yeah, maybe. It looks like some poor calf strayed off and dropped. I don't think so. Yeah, it looks like a man. Come on. Come on. Chester, get the water bag. Yes, sir. Yeah. Let me have a look, Marshal. Yeah. Let's see. Heat. Is he all right? Well, depends on how long he's been lying here. Here you are, Mr. Dillon. Yeah. Huh. Open up his shirt, Marshal. Chester, get some of that water on his wrist. All right. It looks like an Easterner, huh? Sure not dressed for this country. Oh, well, that's better. That's better. Try to get a few drops in him. All right. Now. No, not too much, Chester. <coughs> not in his nose, Chester. His mouth. Well, my gracious, I'm sorry, Mr. Dillon, but he moved his head. It's not so easy to... Hey, look, he's awake. You're all right, mister. Just take it easy for a bit now. Oh, this too, too solid flesh would melt. Oh and resolve itself into a Jew. What did he say? Oh, it's out of his head, Chester. For this relief, uh, much thanks. Forget it, Chester. Get around the other side and shade him from the sun. Yes, mm, the sun. I begin to be a weary of the sun. I don't blame you. Uh, what happened? My wagon... Shed a wheel, I fear, along the high road. I know not where I am. Uh, you're about four miles out of Dodge City. Uh, Kansas. Kansas. Oh, I would give all my fame for a pot of ale and safety. We better get him to town quick. He's in a bad way. He's delirious. Uh, you think you can make it on a horse? We'll take you into... We'll take him into Dodge. And he passed out again. We tied him across Doc's horse. Doc and I doubled up and Chester rode behind. The stranger was a tall, skinny man with a face like a friendly mule. Big hands and thin wrists stretched out from his sleeves. He had no papers on him. Nothing. 
Until he woke up, we wouldn't even know his name. Doc settled him down in the back of his place, and he was still asleep when Chester and I rode out to where we figured he'd left his wagon. Wasn't hard to see when we found it. What color wagon would you call that, Mr. Dillon? Puce, Chester. Puce. I guess so. Seems to be some writing on the side there. Yeah. Oh, Irving Henry, thespian supreme, disciple of the immortal bard. Mm. I should have known he was a religious man. Uh, he's an actor, Chester, the immortal bard. Shakespeare, William Shakespeare, wrote plays, poems. Ah, ah, hi. Oh. Ah, You think he let the horses go, Mr. Dillon? Well, I was wondering that. Seems to me he'd have ridden for help instead of trying to walk. Horses couldn't have got out of the harness themselves. Well, let's take a look at the wheel. Huh? Wish we could wait till the sun goes down. It's going to be awful hot work, Mr. Dillon. <coughs> it's not too bad. The pen fell out. Must be another in the box at the back. Take a look, will you, Chester? Yes, sir. I'll prop the wheel up here. Yeah. Mr. Dillon? Hey, yeah, can't you find it? Will you come here a minute? Uh, what's the matter? Take a look in there. It took a second or two to get used to the darkness inside the wagon. And then I saw the hand sticking out from behind the trunk. You didn't have to be the doc to know that it was a dead hand. The body was of a man about 40. He was dirty. And in a greasy, torn waistcoat, I found a pocketbook with his name. Sam Matchett. And that was all. Below his left shoulder and his back was a patch of dried blood. And in the middle... A bullet hole. We got the wagon wheel on, hitched up our horses, and drove into Dodge. Doc? Oh, that's you, Marshal. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll be right out. All right. Get that fellow's wagon fixed up? Yeah, I brought it in. Is he awake? Oh, I haven't looked in the last half hour. I was making coffee. Want some? Uh, no, thanks. Oh, it's a funny thing about coffee when it's hot weather like this. Drink it's called in and makes you feel cooler outside. Uh, look, Doc, I got to see that fellow. I want to ask him a couple of questions. Oh, that's so? I found a dead man in the back of his wagon. You don't say. You better take a look. Chester's bringing him in the side. Oh, sure, sure, sure. You want to go on back? Uh, yeah, thanks, Doc. <clears throat> Mr. Henry? Mr. Henry, wake up. Yes, yeah. what? Oh. Your name, Irving Henry? Oh, Irving Henry. Uh, what is this place? Now, you got to listen to me for a minute. We found your wagon. Ah? Uh -huh. Did you let the horses go before you sat on your own? Of course. I could not let them remain to die. Well, how come you didn't take one to ride? I have a loathing of horses. I cannot bear one under my body. There is a carafe of water beside the bed. Would you be good enough, uh, Mr. Uh, uh... Uh, Dillon, Matt Dillon. I'm the marshal here in Dodge City. 
hear you. My thanks. Now, what were you doing with a dead man in your wagon, Mr. Henry? A dead man? A dead man shot in the back, lying in your wagon. This is very midsummer madness. I won't argue about that, but I'll thank you to answer my question. But it is impossible. It isn't true. I say it is. You lie in your throat if you say that I'm any other than an honest man. Look, mister, I didn't say you weren't honest. You're an actor. And you got a fine way of saying things, but murder's murder. I don't care how you say it. Now, I'm asking questions, and I want straight answers. Your pardon, sir. What you tell me, in truth, if, if it were played upon a stage, I would condemn it as an improbable fiction. I swear to you, I know nothing of a body. Did you come through Hayes City? Yeah. Do you know a man there called Sam Matchett? No. You had no trouble in Hayes City? No. What are you doing in these parts, Mr. Henry? Uh, I'm... I am touring the provinces. An actor eating the bitter bread of banishment. And my talents are not taken for their worth in the East. And therefore, I bring the immortal bard to the hinterlands. And now, sir, that the interview is ended... Pray give me leave to depart. I'm sorry, I can't do that. You'll have to stay until we get this thing cleared up. Mr. Dillon, Doc would like to see you. Uh, All right, Chester. Stay here with Mr. Henry, will you? Sure, Mr. Dillon, sure. How are you feeling by now, Mr. Henry? Would you like some more water? These evil manners live in glass. Doc. Right here, Marshal. What'd you find? Well, there's one thing. This man didn't die right away. I mean, not right when he was shot. Is that so? No. More likely bled to death. Inside. Uh-huh. Uh, you think he might have been able to climb up in the wagon after he was shot? Uh, he might. There's another thing. Yeah? You see the way he's dressed? Now, you take a look at that. Hell! Uh, what the hell? Hell! Mr. Come on. Come on, Doc. Come on. Chester, what's the matter with him? Chester, my gun when I was pouring him some water, Mr. Dillon. He must have gone through the window, Marshal. I tried to get it back. It went off. Take care of Chester, Doc. I'm going after him. out of there, I didn't know how badly Chester was hurt. There was a lot of blood on his head and over his face. It was nearly dark outside and the street was empty. It was supper time. I could see the women through the windows getting food ready. The kids were inside too. Sure looked peaceful. But with Henry out with a gun, well, that wasn't a good thing to have running around loose in Dodge. Dylan? 
you see a man run down the street, Miss Fletcher? Well, no. Well, you better get inside and lock your door. Don't come out again. There's a killer loose. I walked the length of the street, listening, waiting. And when I got to the end, there was nothing. He hadn't taken a horse, I'd have heard that. And in a way, I was sorry, because if he'd tried to hide and dodge, there'd be no way to get out of shooting that wouldn't get women and kids hurt. A breeze came up, and swirls of dust flew around and then settled as the air became still and hot again. I went back to Doc's place. Oh, uh, did you find him, Marshal? No. How's Chester? Oh, I'm fine, Mr. Dillon. Just creased my head. More mess than hurt. Oh, good, Chester. Uh, look, you want to go home or you want to work? I want to work. All right, go down to the office, get yourself another gun, and round up some men, many as you can. As long as Henry stays in town, we're in trouble. Now, keep your eyes open. Meet me back here. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. Take my gun with you, and if you see him, watch out. All right, I'll get going. Yes, sir. Now, Doc, I'm going to have to make you a deputy, too. Well, <laughs> well, maybe instead of digging out bullets, I'll be putting some in. It's not funny, Doc. Now, come on. All right, we'll start here. I'll take this side, you take the other. Get the men to go through their houses and tell them to look for their horses. Tell them what's happening. But ten o'clock that night, as far as we could tell, Henry hadn't left town. There were plenty of places for him to hide, though. We had 50 men out searching. Chester and I were working along back of the express office. There were a couple of houses there we hadn't covered. You wouldn't think a man like that would be a killer, now would you, Mr. Dillon? I never saw a man yet couldn't be, Chester. Depends on your reasons for killing, I guess. Now, let's take a look behind these boxes. You think he could have got this far? Yeah, he might. A lot of back streets to sneak around in the dark. That's Miss Cullen's place there, isn't it? Yes, sir. Looks like she's still awake. Light burning back there. Yeah. <clears throat> Seem a bit cooler to you tonight, Mr. Dillon? Yeah, a bit. Evening, Miss Cullen. I'm sorry to get you up, but we're looking for a man, a stranger around. He's tall, thin. You seen anyone about tonight? No. No, I haven't. Oh? Uh, uh, how's the kids? Oh, they're fine. Thank you, Mr. Dillon. Fine. Uh-huh. Well, you keep the place locked tight, Miss Cullen. Don't let anybody in tonight unless you know who it is. All right. Good night, Mr. Dillon. Good night, ma'am. 
Well, now that's strange. She didn't even say hello to me, and I know her better than you do, Mr. Dillon. Chester, round up the others. Get them over here. I don't know why she... He's in there with her. I think he's got the kids in the sleeping room. Oh. Sent her out to get rid of us. Now, I'm going to try and get in. Don't do anything when you come back. Just put the men around the house. Yes, sir. I'd seen Miss Cullen make a move with her head. And her eyes said the rest. When I told her to lock up, I shook my head and I hoped she understood. I wanted that front door to stay open. As soon as I can. He was in there, all right. I could hear him. I wanted him alive. But I wasn't going to risk hurt to Miss Cullen or the kids getting him. I did what you asked. Don't hurt the children, please. They will never know this night. But in the morning, when they What's that? You said you locked the door after. No, don't. Don't. I shall keep the pistol turned to the girl's head, ma'am. Someone is here. They try to take me. Who is it? Who? Mr. Dillon, go away. Please. He'll kill us. You lied. You lied. Oh, tiger's heart wrapped in a woman's hide. Listen to me, Marshal Dillon. Throw your pistol in here, and then come in with your hands before you. I have no stomach for child killing, but I will not hesitate to do so. Give me the gun, Henry. No. You won't be able to get out of this. I must. There is living to be done. You know, that fancy talk isn't going to help either. Now, why don't you climb down? What happened to Matchett? Nothing happened to Match. Why'd you kill him? I didn't. In five minutes or less, there'll be 50 men or more around here. Now, what are you going to do? I don't know. If you didn't kill Matchett, you'll get a chance. I'll see to that. There's no use going on this way. Give me the gun. I cannot. It is my prop of salvation. No gun is salvation to anybody. Put it down. You must tell the men to go away, Marshal Dillon. I'll have to take one of these children with me for my protection. No! Shed a tear for me, madam. I have the greater need. You do a lot of talking, mister. I'd like to see you turn the gun away from that kid's head. That'd take more than talk, wouldn't it, though? I have no skill with such a weapon. Why should I match with you? I want to live. You're going about it the wrong way. The smallest worm will turn being trod upon. Meaning? 
You gave me no choice when you brought me here. Would have been better to have left me lying in the dust. You don't understand. You don't know. Well, why don't you tell me? What good would it do? It depends. My life has been the theater. As a boy, I, I was a student of Shakespeare. <laughs> he would look at me. <laughs> Who would accept this face for Hamlet? This ill-shaped body for Romeo. <laughs> His speech has become my speech, but when the fools only look. They cannot listen for laughing. There have been ugly men before you. It hasn't been cause for murder. Why'd you kill Matchett? In New York, there was a man. A gross, stupid man who fancied himself an interpreter of the bard. He, he took me, me, as his apprentice. And together we set out for the tour. I would play only the voices. Never Richard. Never Henry. Never Leah. Only, only the voices. Whilst he, stumbling, drunken, he muddled and tore to a tatter the the words that I should have spoken. You killed a man because you wanted to play a hero? How easily murder is discovered. Yeah, sometimes, I guess. It was yesterday. We were leaving Hayes City. We played there for two days. And it made me a laughing stock. It was night. And he became drunk and, and threatened to leave me in the next town. I made him stop the wagon and taking up a pistol, I shot him. He did not die at first and when I saw what I had done, I, I wanted him to live. And I put him into the wagon and, and I drove on, hoping to find a doctor. Then, as, as the night passed, I saw that he had died. And I was afraid. The wagon broke down? Yes. I, I put my purse into his clothes and took his name for mine. How I've hated the name of Sam Matchett. But you wouldn't understand. I wouldn't. Well, what now? I want to live. I want my chance. You've done a murder. I can't let you go, you know that. Don't make it harder. I lost my husband two years ago. 
I know what it is to be alone. You've been alone, haven't you? I'm sorry. But you killed someone. We may pity, though not pardon, dear. <laughs> I'm going now, Marshal. If you walk out of there with your gun, you're a dead man. Death's a great disguiser. I must have my chance. Don't do it, Matchett. There'll be killing. Madam, forgive me. I would not have harmed your children. Matchett, put down oh. your gun. Let me go my way. Please. There are a lot of men waiting for you out there, Matchett. You know what'll happen if you open the door. Don't do it, Matchett. Because he fired first, a single shot. We buried him in back of the church, and I found some words in a book to put on his grave. He that dies pays all debts. Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by Anthony Ellis, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Hans Conrad was featured as Henry, with Mary Lansing as Mrs. Cullen. Parley Bear as Chester, and Howard McNear as Doc. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Roy Rowan speaking. Remember, gangbusters go into action Saturday nights on the CBS Radio Network. Stay tuned for Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy next on Theater of the Mind. Time now to go back to 1949 for Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy as they welcome special guest June Allison. Coca-Cola brings you Edgar Bergen with Charlie McCarthy.
Sunday night, and time again for Edgar Bergen with Charlie McCarthy. With Mortimer Slurd and Ray Noble in his orchestra, and the Mellow Man brought to you each week by the Coca-Cola Company. Tonight's special guest is the lovely lady of the screen, Miss June Allison. And now, Edgar Bergen with Charlie McCarthy. Yes, I, I know, I know, honey, but I gotta hang up now, my kumquat. Yes. Well, they've announced me. Charlie, get off that telephone. Yeah. Did you get your allowance, babe? Oh, good. Now you can take me out tonight. Really, Charlie? So long, my tangerine. I'll be squeezing you. Charlie, I just couldn't help overhearing your conversation. Why? Was the extension phone caught in your ear? No, no. I can't believe that you talk to a girl that way. Who is she? Well, let's just say she's a good skate what pays the freight. Oh, I see. <laughs> I can't understand this younger generation. Why, when I was growing up, everybody was a gentleman. You mean there weren't any women at all? Oh. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. I mean, we acted like gentlemen. Oh, Apparently, you don't know what a gentleman is. Oh, sure. A gentleman is a wolf with patience. All right. <laughs> Charlie, next... Well... <laughs> next time you see this girl of yours... Yes? Why don't you try... Try talking about music and art and... Uh, why don't you quote poetry? Oh, no, no. No, I tell you, Bergen, girls don't take that kind of punishment today. Oh, they don't. <laughs> Well, you just try it and see what she does. I know what she'll do. She'll conk me on the head with her baseball bat. Yeah. Her baseball bat? Yeah, sure. She's homicida Ida. Oh, she is? Yes. She's the catcher on our baseball team. Oh, some girl. You can say it, yes. Strong as an ox. Yeah. And twice as pretty. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, times have changed. Yeah. Charlie, I want to remind you that June Allison is coming by to see us. And I wish, for me, I wish you'd remember your party manners. Did you see June Allison? Yes. <gasps> oh. All right. Now, there is my big moment. Yes. You know, she's just as cute as a button. Yes. How I'd like to get my button hooks on her. All right. <laughs> I want you to think of yourself as a gallant knight and conduct yourself as uh, one of King Arthur's men. Now, those were wonderful days. Were you happy then, Bergen? Oh, I wasn't born then. Oh, oh, look, I see June Allison headed this way. Oh, my heart is turning a handspring. Here we are, Junie. Hello, Edgar. Hello, Charlie. Oh. Junie, it's, it's good to see you. Yeah, we were just talking about romance and chivalry, you know. Uh, uh, tell me, uh, do you feel, uh, do you feel uh, spoony, Junie? <laughs> that I do, Goonie. <laughs> all right, all right. June, I was telling Charlie if he would conduct himself as a knight of King Arthur's time, he would be the most popular boy at school. You are absolutely right, Edmund. I'm sure everyone would think that... Think, think that I was nuts. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Hmm? It would not fit in with our times. But I would have adored living in those days with all the knights in their shining armor. Well, what was so great about that? 
Well, it would have been so much fun shopping for canned goods. Why? Well, in those days, even the men were put up in tins. Oh. Jude. You're ashamed, aren't you now? I told you not to say it. Jude, I remember seeing you in the MGM picture... Hey, what was the name of that MGM picture men put up in tins? No, no, no. <laughs> that one will live to haunt you. All right. Oh, I know. That picture, Words and Music, you know, where you did a very clever little scene. It was two knights in armor, and you sang uh, Thou Swell or something. Yes, that's right. It was about a knight making love to his lady pair. Yeah. Yeah, with a modern touch. Yeah, I remember. I remember that. I, it, it, I know how the song goes. It goes, uh, "Thou swell." No, 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 no Charlie. It goes like this. You're interrupting me. <laughs> thou swell, thou witty, thou sweet, thou grand, which kiss me pretty, which hold my hand, but thine eyes are kissing. What they do to me? Hear me holler, I choose a sweet loller, but loser theme. I'd feel so rich in a hutch for two, two rooms and kitchen, I'm sure. Would do, give me just a plot of, not a lot of land. And thou swell, thou witty, thou grand. Thou swell, thou witty, thou sweet, thou grand, would kiss me pretty, would hold my hand, but fine eyes are cute too, what they do to me, hear me holler, I choose a sweet holler, but loser can be, you're my sweet Solomon loser, I feel so rich in the tiny little monster's hut for two, two rooms and kitchen, I'm sure would do Give me just a pot of Not a lot of land And I swear I'll with me the my voice, Charlie. Well, I think it's very... Yeah, well, so do I. I've been told that I have the range of Lily Puns and the vivacity of Mary Martin. Do you think so? Well, I... Well, I don't think so either. Uh, no. Do you know, you know, you've got me kind of interested in that King Arthur stuff. <laughs> Say, I have an idea, Charlie. Yeah? The museum has a wonderful display in their armor room. Let's go and see it. Now, that is a splendid idea. Now, you two go ahead and I'll meet you at the museum. How do you find yourself these days? Well, most of the days I just don't bother to. I... <laughs> I'm, I'm on my way to the museum with Charlie. Well? Yes. Listen. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. <laughs> Have you ever been there? Uh, where? To the museum. Oh. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's the way it goes. Yeah. <laughs> well, how did you like it? The what? The museum. Oh, the museum. Well, I reckon it'll be all right when they get all that junk cleaned out of there. <laughs> what did you enjoy most at the museum? The sliding down the long banister out front. Look at the All right, all right. <laughs> I mean, what did you get from your visit? Splinters, splinters, I... <laughs> well, now, you might get something more out of it if you come along with us. Uh, you know, I understand the museum is adding a new wing. Well, that won't do much good. Why? They'll never get it off the ground. Oh. <laughs> Why don't you come with us and go through the museum again? No, no, no. I ain't never going there no more. No, no, no. Oh, yes, you will. Oh, no, I don't think I will. <laughs> wild, wild horseradishes couldn't drag me. Exactly. What's wrong with the museum? Well, it's too dangerous. Last time I was there, I seen a fellow that was hurt so bad that they had him bandaged from his head clear down to... <laughs> from his head down to, uh... Oh, you know, down to those, uh... Oh... <laughs> <laughs> From his head down to, oh, what is the name of those things that live in shoes? Oh. Feet? Yeah, yeah, that's close enough. I guess. <laughs> well, what about it? Well, this poor fellow looked like he was blindfolded all over. Is that so? Yeah. Well, now, wait a minute, Mortimer. Just where did you see this bandaged-up man? Well, he was leaning against the wall in the, in the gypsy section. You mean... In the Egyptian section? Well, that's what I said, wasn't it? All right. I talked to him, but uh, his mind, you know, is a little wandering, I see. <laughs> I tried to get his mind off his injuries, but he was kind of closed mouth. He didn't say much. No, he didn't say much at all. No, didn't say much at all. <laughs> Conversation sort of drug, a drug. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Mortimer, you were talking to a mummy. I was? Yes, yes. Well, I just wanted to help him. I know, I know. But I'm afraid you were too late to help him. About 4,000 years too late. Well, I got there as soon as I could. <laughs> Mortimer, I'm trying to tell you that that bandaged man, that bandaged man is completely ossified. Well, can you blame him for taking a nip like that? <laughs> taking a nip? Yes. Yeah. To sort of blunt the pain? Blunt the pain, <laughs> Well, he was in no pain because he was dead. Now, let me explain about mummies. After they were prepared and wrapped, they were put in a tomb, and lots of food was buried with them. Yeah? Yes. Well, now, you know, I, I reckon it ain't so bad being dead if you still got your appetite. <laughs> well, it was merely a custom. Now, do you feel that, that you know a little more about that bandaged man? Oh, sure. I know him real well now. We'll have lots to talk about as soon as he can have visitors. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How can you be so stupid? Well, who cares as long as it gets results? I don't know. <laughs> Now, there's June waiting on the steps of the museum, but no sign of Charlie. 
Well, I might have known he'd be late. Uh, here I am, June. Have you have you been here long? No, I just got here, Edgar. Oh, did you have any trouble finding the museum? No, day, day, day. Sure. <laughs> just got through with him, June. I think Charlie went in ahead of us. Well, why did he go in ahead? Well, the doorman said a little boy asked him where he could find the statue of Lady Godiva. That's, that's Charlie. That's my boy. <laughs> well, let's go in and find him. Now, I wonder which way it is to the armor room. Oh, Fran. Oh. Francis. Uh, uh, hello. Uh, I'm Ursula Twing, Fran. Uh, your, simmer, simmer down. Uh, I'm your, your friendly uh, museum guy. Oh, how do you do? How do you do? Thank you. How do you do? How do you do? Uh, my motto, please, my motto is uh, tour it with a smile if the tip is worthwhile. <laughs> interested in the armor the knights used to wear. Could you show us through that room? Well, I could, but heavens to Elizabeth, it's way over on the other side. So? So, uh, would you rather stay here and kind of look at our exhibit of old bones? No, I don't. Well, they're just chock full of interest and calcium. <laughs> Why don't you take us to the armor room? Well, mainly because my feet hurt. No, bad just... What? Bad feet? No, not, I've got good feet. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I forgot to bring my corn plasters today, though I don't know why. I usually keep some on hand. Oh, on hand? <laughs> on hand, I Well, not exactly on hand either, but I usually keep them on my feet. <laughs> We're only interested in the armor. Well, please, won't you please look at my bones instead, Fran? Uh, see those uh, the huge uh, prehistoric ones over there? Yeah. Looky, looky. Uh, one bone is over 15 feet long. Mm. An explorer dug it up. My goodness. Think of the size of the prehistoric dog that buried it. <laughs> You're awful cute. I just knew that you folks would enjoy my lecture on bones once I got my teeth into it. Are you an authority on such things? Authority? Am I an authority? For heaven's sake, I'll have you know that I've got brains. I'm not just a pretty face. That's... <laughs> that is very true. Uh, very true. Yes. What you said about prehistoric times was very interesting. Do you know much about the lost races? Do I know? Oh, my... Last season, I didn't win a single race at Santa Anita. <laughs> Is there any chance that you might condescend to show us the armor room? No, 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 no. Don't be in such a hurly-burly, curly. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be just, just happy, very happy to take you there if you'll carry me piggyback. Fine guy, you are too weak to walk. But no. you think I'm a weakling just because my feet hurt, you're sadly mistaken. All right, so I made a mistake. Yes, you made a mistake, and not only that, but you pulled a terrible, if you'll pardon the expression, bloomer. Oh, is yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you're very strong, but we did come here to see the armor. Well, why must you always rush and hurry around and make everybody nervous? You can go right across the hall to the American Indian room and, and see Standing Bull. Isn't that Sitting Bull? No, the floors over there are so cold. <laughs> We'll find the armor room ourselves. All right, go on. I didn't like your attitude in the first place. You just got me in such a snit anyway that if I was not 100% American, I'd be seeing red. Go on, go on. Goodbye, aye, aye. Let's see now. Oh, there, there's the armor room right across the corridor, June. Oh, yes. And Charlie's waiting for us. Hello, June. Oh, I always knew you were beautiful, but standing next to Bergen, you're, you're positively gorgeous. Well, thank you, Charlie. And you too, Edgar. Yeah. <laughs> Just look at this medieval display. Yes, isn't that an impressive armor, that suit there? Oh, it's wonderful material. Sort of a galvanized gabardine. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how they had their suits pressed in those days. Yeah, I bet the laundries tore their bolts off the shirts. <laughs> 
Well, according to the legend of King Arthur, the noble knights performed many feats of daring do for their ladies fair. And from all over Britain, they came to Camelot to earn their seats at the round table. <laughs> His Majesty, King Arthur. Greetings, brave knights. Take thy seats at the round table. <laughs> Sir Lancelot, methinks thou dost look handsome in thy new suit of armor. Thanks, Your Majesty. I have with a new tailor, Sir Henry of Ford. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. I, I've heard his slogan, Watch the Pants Go By. <laughs> Uh, my suit looketh a bit rusty, but thinks it needs a lube job. Yeah. Tonight I shall go out and get oiled. <laughs> really, thou must mend thy ways. It looketh bad for a knight at the round table to spend all his nights at the pool table. No. Oh. <laughs> I said it was a jest, methinks. Thou certainly do it. What is this? Oh, not here. Huck, Huck. Yeah. What cometh near, my good Merlin? Sire. A group of strolling players approaches. Oh, uh, that is to say, Owen. How now, good players? What cook it? Hello, gentlemen. I hope you blokes are in the mood for some rhymes and music. Blimey, I really hope so. Sounds thou art a comely tomato. <laughs> what hast thou in yon basket? Coconuts, your highness. They're part of the game. Special they are, and only a penny a pitch. Would you like to hear more about it, gentlemen? I tell us more, my love. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. coconuts. There they are, standing in a row. Big one, small one, some as big as your head. Give them a twist to flicker the wrist, that's what a showman said. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. coconuts. Everyone you throw will make you rich. There stands me wife, the idol of me life, a sing and roll a bell, a ball, a penny a pitch. Sing and roll a bowl a ball, a penny a pitch. A roll a bowl a See, roll a bowl a ball, a penny a pitch. A roll a bowl a ball, a roll a bowl a ball. A roll a bowl a ball, sing and roll a bowl a ball, a penny a pitch. Why don't you roll a bowl a bowl a bowl a ball? Roll a bowl a bowl a bowl a ball. A penny a pitch, a penny a pitch, a penny a roll a ball. Roll a bowl a ball, a penny a pitch to roll a ball. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. Nuts, nuts, there nuts. they are, standing in a row. Row, 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 row. One small, one some as big as your head. Wow. Give them a twist to flicker the wrist. That's what the showman said. No, got a lovely bunch of coconuts. Here you are, here you are, my lucky lad. Penny a shy, penny a shy. Now then, lady, you try your luck. My good man, how much do you require for one coconut? One copper, lady. One sixth of a tanner. Oh, how terribly, terribly vulgar. Penny a shy, penny a shy. What about you, dearie? Well, can me little boy have a free throw? Free throw? Knock it, knock it. No free throws around here. Here, young'un, where's your penny? I swallowed it. Well, you all be more careful, ain't you? Never heard of land lease? I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. There they are, standing in the road. Big one, small one, some as big as your head. Give him a twist to flick of the wrist, that's what a showman said. Oh, I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. Everyone 
Everybody's home makes me nuts, 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 nuts. Me husband's over there. They all just love the fair. Sing and roll a bell, a bull, a penny, a bitch. A bitch, a bitch. Sing and roll a bell, a bull, a penny, a bitch. Sing and roll a bell, a bull, a penny, a bitch. Roll a bell, a bull, a roll a bell, a bull. Sing and roll a bell, a bull, a penny, a bitch. Splendid, splendid. Uh, here, I mean here, my last. Here is the gold coin for thee. Nay, nay, Your Majesty. Tis not gold I seek, but aid from your noble knights. Well, buckle my doublet and rivet me breeches. <laughs> Yon ragged wench talks like a lady. I am Princess June. My sister May has been held prisoner since last February by the Black Knight, Sir August. <gasps> Looks like Sir August stole a march on us. <laughs> he thinks I sound like Sir Milton of Burl. <laughs> It was to escape it from the clutches of the Black Knight that I disguised myself in this cheap $500 copy of an Adrian dress. <laughs> well, Cerity, thou art a lovely vision withal. I, Sir Lancelot, bow low before thee. Oh, methinks I bowed a little too low. You should be careful, Lancelot. You've dented your pants a lot. My princess, I shall go forth and rescue thy sister from the cowardly black knight. Wait. Before thou takest thy leave, thou must consult the royal wizard. Merlin. Merlin. What sayest thou? Perform thy magic. Oh, yes, your majesty. Uh, Takest thou a card from this deck. Any card. Tell it me not what it is. No, No, Merlin, no. Lookest thou into the future that we may know the perils that await Sir Lancelot. Abracadabra. Hocus, hocus. Presto, change your metro. Now get to the, get to the trick. Mm. <laughs> Sir Lancelot, I see you and the princess coming to a wide river. Hocus, pocus. I see a river too deep to ford, too perilous to swim. And you have no boats. Then how do we get across? You use the bridge. <laughs> doesn't know his hook is from his focus. Now you'll be the giant and tilt with him in the darkness. That's impossible. When I tilt, I always light up. <laughs> Come, my princess. We will saddle my noble steed and hire us hence. Good. We will need it an early start because hence is 20 miles away. This ride getteth uncomfortable. Methinks our steeds grow weary. Thou art so right, princess. I will trade them in for fresh ones. Where it? Oh, there it, the madman Merlin's used horse lot. <laughs> Merlin? I thought it he was a magician. Aye, he was, but things had been rougheth on magicians since Vaudeville died. <laughs> Welcome, Sir Lancelot and Damsel Fair. May I help with thee? Forsooth, we wanted a horse. 
For eating or for riding? Forsooth. <laughs> Odds bodikins, I have just the thing for thee. This horse over here is practically brand new. He has very low mileage. Oh. <laughs> oh, he's not bad, Sir Lancelot. Look at those white sidewall feet. Mm. <laughs> well, he was owned by an old lady in Pasadena. <laughs> She just used him to go shopping. <laughs> he was up with on blocks for six months. Is he... Is he four-gated? No, four-legged. One in each corner. <laughs> Verily, he is a bargain and can be financed through the Bank of Camelot. And pay a 12% interest? Nay, Violet. I will give us the cash. What about accessories? Teeth are extra, you know. <laughs> He needeth not teeth. All he eats is hay, and he can gum that. Yes. <laughs> Here is the money, madman. Come, princess. We must get to the black knight and headeth for the blackout. <laughs> <laughs> where my sister is imprisoned. Look, here cometh the black knight. Loose thy lance and lance lunge. <laughs> fear, fear not, my beloved. I shall cut through his armor with ease, for on the end of my lance I have a thick can opener. <laughs> on guard, varlet, cometh to joust with thee, I do. Oh, splendid Sir Lancelot. You have unseated the black knight. <laughs> and now pull back his visor and look upon his evil face. <laughs> Who is it? Greetings, Fair. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, in the future, friends, uh, will you please knock before you come in? How, <laughs> villain, what hast thou to say before I cut it off thy head? Goodbye, aye, aye. <laughs> Lancelot, my darling. Now that thou hast conquered the black knight, uh -huh. I will love thee forevermore. Put thy armor around me. Oh, my fair one, nothing but nothing can cometh between us. Don't be too sure about that. Huh? Papa, a messenger from Camelot. No, Miss Allison, I'm a messenger from your movie lot. You got a six o'clock call in the morning. Oh, no. Good night, princess. Good night, night. <laughs> Uh, just a word of thanks to June Allison for appearing with us tonight. I guess next week will be the cowboy king of radio and television. Hop along, Cassidy. Good night, everybody. June Allison appeared by arrangement with Hector Golden Mayer, producers of Adam's Rib, starring Spencer Quincy, Catherine Hepburn, and June Holiday. To Bill Baldwin speaking for the famous Pasadena Playhouse. This is TBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's The Sick Shooter, followed by Duffy's Tavern. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor.
Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.